Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. So glad that you could join us today. I'm excited to share what's in my heart today. Today, the last Sunday of this month, but it also happens to be Pentecost Sunday. And so today I want to share with you the significance of the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, but the significance of what that day means in our life today. So let let me pray. Father, I thank you for, as we take a, a trip through your word, that you allow your word to speak to our hearts, helping us to see and know and understand the value of the day of Pentecost, not just a celebration of 2,000 years ago, but a constant celebration of who you are and what you're doing in our lives today, in us, with us, and through us, and among us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. When we talk about the day of Pentecost, which this is, as I said, Pentecost Sunday, I want to give you a little bit of background on the day of Pentecost so you understand the significance of this day. Um, Pentecost comes 50 days after the day of Passover. And Passover like Pentecost and other feasts, were uh, given to the children of Israel, and the Lord told them to celebrate these feasts perpetually, which means forever, on and on and on. Even to this day, Israel still celebrates these feasts. And when you and I understand what God did on these particular days and what He brought across, what He made real and alive for you and I, we don't have to celebrate them as the Jewish people did for Uh, do for what God did in the past, but understand the reality of what they mean to us today. Number one, Passover is a celebration of when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Passover, when judgment passed over through the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, that they were brought out of Egypt and delivered out of bondage. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus comes into Jerusalem at Passover, and as the Children of Israel are celebrating what happened with Moses thousands of years before. He is now the Lamb of God that has come not just to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt, but to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. So there is the celebration of Passover, but think about it. Whenever you and I take communion, whenever we celebrate the Lord's table, we are celebrating the body and the blood of the Lamb. That is our Passover. Judgment passed over us, fell upon Him, and you and I were delivered. So that is a celebration we still appreciate, and we don't have to wait and do it once a year. We can celebrate that every single day of our lives. Now, 50 days after Passover, we have Pentecost. In fact, that's what Pentecost means. It's it's 50. And so Pentecost, 50 days later, and that's not so much about getting the children of Israel out of Egypt, it's more about getting Egypt out of them. Now, God instructed the children of Israel to celebrate Passover, first fruits, tabernacle, and Pentecost. Pentecost is the feast of harvest. It's also the beginning of the wheat harvest or the beginning of weeks. As I said, Pentecost means 50th, and it comes 50 days after Passover, seven weeks, or Shavuot or excuse my Hebrew, that may not be exactly how you say it, but it is the Feast of Harvest, and it was the beginning 
of the early wheat harvest. Pentecost was a pilgrim festival. All adult Jewish men would come from wherever they lived, and they would come to Jerusalem to attend this celebration. So it was a holiday, no work, shops were closed, it was a big celebration, a big party time. Pentecost had certain celebrations and offerings where you would take two fresh barley loaves that were break, baked from the new harvest, and you would bring it before the priest. And so I want you to see that as we celebrate today, and, and I really want to lay a foundation of something that we're going to be going into for a number of weeks to come, the value of the person of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I are aware, and we know that Jesus was a gift. He was a, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What you and I celebrate when we look at the cross, or as Israel looked at Passover, they saw what God did for them. You and I look at the cross and we see the gift of God who came, shed his blood, and rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin, sickness, disease, and death. He was a gift to you and I. Fifty days later, on Pentecost, not a coincidence Jesus came on Passover, and it's not a coincidence what happens on Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover, the, the celebration of harvest, the celebration of in-gathering, and it's, it's a party time, it's a big celebration time. It's no coincidence that God also sends and gives another gift to you and I, which is where we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to take us on a journey and uh, see if I can get through this, or at least lay a foundation. Beginning with Genesis chapter 1. That's definitely going to the beginning. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You have God... You have the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, and then you have the release of the Word. You have creation. You have the Father, you have the Word, and you have the Spirit. Right there in the beginning, in creation, you have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now Luke chapter 1, verse 34, when Gabriel came and visited Mary and, and called her highly favored and and told her that God was with her, and that she was going to be with child, and she asked, how could this possibly be? I have not been with a man. And the angels spoke to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. At that point in time, when Mary said, well, be it unto me according to your word, the receiving of that word, the overshadowing of the Spirit of God, brought a creation brought a conception into the very womb of Mary. So we see at creation, we see at the birth of Jesus, and then in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, Luke, Luke 3, 16 says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Even John, making reference to the Lamb of God that would come, also referred to the fact that when he would come, he would also bring a baptism and makes reference 
of the Holy Spirit. And then it begins in verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. While he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. So what we see is after he was baptized by John in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit, again we have reference to the Holy Spirit, come and descended upon him in the form of a dove. Doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a bird, doesn't mean he's a dove, it just is a representation of him coming down and lighting upon him. And we see the beginning of his ministry. So in creation, we see the moving of the Spirit of God. At the conception of Jesus in the womb of a virgin, we see the overshadowing of the Spirit of God. And now we see that the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and only then did Jesus begin his ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, says, He returned in the, in the power of the Spirit, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding regions. After he was baptized by John, he went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. He was tempted. He overcame every single temptation. Overcoming the temptation, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. And then in Luke chapter 4, he goes into his own hometown, he goes into the synagogue, and he opens up the book of Isaiah where it was written, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me. He has empowered me. He has brought this ability upon my life to do these things. Preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. Later on in Acts chapter 10, when when Peter was making reference to Jesus when he was at Cornelius' house, in Acts 10.38, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know, it's very important for you and I to understand that to get the results of the Bible, we need to believe and understand and see the truths that are written in God's Word because right believing will bring us right results. And if we want the results of the Bible, then we need to see how it worked. And we see that everything that Jesus did, he did not do just because he was the Son of God, but because he was anointed by the Spirit of God. I know some people say, well, no, he could do whatever he wanted to do just because uh, he was God. Well, no, he was Emmanuel, God with us, but he was not only God, but he was also man. Now, some people would disagree with that and say, well, no, no, Jesus was just all God. No, he was a man anointed by the Spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says 
He was tempted in all manners, just like you and I are. Well, the Bible also says in the book of James that God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt any man. So if Jesus was tempted, that means he wasn't just God, but he was also man. He had the ability to sin, but he chose not to. He overcame that sin. When he went into the wilderness, he did not yield to temptation. Not any day of his life did he ever sin. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And everything that he did, he did not do because he was God. He did because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 makes a reference uh, to Jesus here. Isaiah 11, 1, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse being the father of David, Jesus is referred to as the son of David. And a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Now these are not all different spirits. It's one spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. But the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of knowledge. He's the Spirit of understanding. He's the Spirit of counsel. He's the Spirit of might. And when we understand who he is, not just what he is, he's not a what, he's a who. He's always referred to as he. The third person of the Trinity. Not a bird, not a dove, but the third person of the Trinity. He. And He is. And so when you understand who He is in your life and begin to acknowledge that, then you realize that on the inside of you dwells the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of might, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You know, when the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might is talking about the spirit of might, that spirit, the Holy Spirit, which lives on the inside of you, giving you a strength above and beyond natural, physical, and emotional strength. Now, let me go ahead and jump into John chapter 14 as we look at all the different things that Jesus did and all of the different uh, types of ministries. And in fact, when he was talking to his disciples, he says, you know, I only do the things that I see the Father do, or I only say the things that I hear the Father say. Jesus did not have a, a single pattern by which he always followed and did it this way or did it that way. Jesus had a pattern of following the Holy Spirit. You know, one time a leper approached him and he went up and, and the leper said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. And Jesus laid his hands on him and said, I'm willing to be healed. Another time there was a group of ten lepers that were pro approaching Jesus and Jesus cried out to him and said, go show yourself to the priest. Uh, this, it's not a one, one size fits all or one way fits all. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God in everything that he did. And that's important for you and I to understand. As we come to the latter part of Jesus' ministry in John chapter 14, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. He said, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. Wow. Now how could that possibly be? 
If Jesus did what he did as the Son of God, then that disqualifies you and I from doing anything like that because none of us were born of a virgin. He said, he who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I will do it. Now I want to go back to the first part of this where he said, what, Most assuredly I say to you, anyone who believes in me will also do the things that I do, and even greater things than these will he do, because, because I am going to the Father. There's a significance of you and I being able to do the works that he did and greater works than he did. There's a significance because he goes to the Father. If we want to learn how to do what he did, how he did it, then we're going to have to watch and see how he truly did what he did. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, this is in the Amplified. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener. This is who the Holy Spirit is. And stand by. Stand by is one who takes hold together with you and helps you move and do what needs to be done. That he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you would know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly, because he was with Jesus and then Jesus is saying, but he will be in you. See, the Holy Spirit was with him because he was there with Jesus. But Jesus is saying, look, it's to your advantage that I go away because he's not only going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, or helpless. I will come back to you. Just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that time, when the day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show and reveal, and I will manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Right there is the major responsibility, one of the major responsibilities of the Holy Spirit as He works in your life, is for Jesus to be clearly seen by you and to make Jesus very, very real to you, in you, and through you. He said the Comforter, the Counselor, the Helper, the Intercessor, the Advocate, the Strengthener, the Standby, is talking about the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7, he says, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage. They're going, no, 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 you, you can't leave us. No, you need to stay with us. And Jesus is saying, look, 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 it's to your benefit. It's to your advantage that I leave. Peter, if you want to go uh, to Capernaum and, and you want me to go there with you, I can go there. But if John wants to go over to Galilee, if he wants to go somewhere else, I can only be with one of you at a time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He won't just be with you, He will be in you. 
He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Please listen to that. Jesus said, look, I must go. And when I go, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message concerning the Son. He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Because of this, I said that he, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and reveal it to you. How important is it for you and I to receive this gift and this promise that Jesus said you must have in your life? John chapter 20, one of the last things that Jesus did. So when it was in the evening that day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. And he said, and he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also will send you as my representatives. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven because of their faith. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. It is through their believing or unbelieving, through their receiving or their rejection, that forgiveness comes because they believe that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, and risen from the dead. At this point in time, when he breathed upon them, the disciples were born again. Their spirits were recreated and they became alive unto God. Remember in Romans chapter 10, 9, and 10, the Bible says, If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So at this point, Jesus is risen from the dead. They see him, they believe in him, and, and now they are born again. They are alive from the dead. This is important to you and I. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Luke chapter 24 verse 49. One of the last things Jesus said before he ascended on high. He said, listen carefully. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. Now, Jesus talked before in John 16. He said, He's with you. He shall be in you. And now I'm sending the promise of the Spirit, which will be upon you. But you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. Why is Jesus giving this command to his disciples? 
Go back to the beginning of his ministry. It was not until Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. That's when he began his ministry. The disciples now, with Jesus being gone, are going to go out into the world. He's already told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he's telling them, you go to Jerusalem and you wait. I did not begin the fullness of my ministry without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You go, you wait till you are filled with power from on high. You say, but, but if you're born again, if you're a believer, don't you have the Holy Spirit? Well, John chapter 4, verse 10, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. See, that is the well of salvation. Believing in him is the well of salvation that you and I drink from that springs up into everlasting life. But in John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said this. On the last day, the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. It wasn't in a weak voice. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, the well of salvation comes, and you and I drink from that, and it springs up into everlasting life. But Jesus is talking here, that not about a well, but he's talking about a river. And he's talking about something that would happen after he was glorified, after the resurrection, that if you believe on him, because the Spirit was not yet given yet. When was the Holy Spirit poured out and given? Well, that's what we're celebrating today. Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the Passover. There is an outpouring of the Spirit of God that those that have been born of the Spirit, they're alive on the inside, they're living from this well. Now comes the opportunity and the ability to have a river. The well is for you, but the river overflows out of your life and begins to touch those around you. He says, I want you to go and you wait until you are endued with power. That's what he told them in Luke chapter 24. You remain, stay there until you are clothed, fully equipped. How do you and I get fully equipped? Listen, you and I need to be fully equipped for not just ministry, but life. And it takes the power of His Spirit to fully equip us for everyday life, and especially in ministering to other people. So we see the well that is for you and I that we drink from, but then we see that there is a river that flows out of our innermost being, and this is what he's talking about concerning the Holy Spirit. He said in Luke chapter 24 that the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. Listen, Jesus was the promised Messiah for thousands of years. Now Jesus talks about the promise of the Father. I don't know about you. If God has a promise for me, I want that promise. I received the promise of the Son. I want the promise of the Spirit. 
I want to be fully equipped. I want to be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. Again, the promise of the Father. Wait, wait, wait for the promise. For John truly baptized you with Father. Uh, with Father, excuse me. For John truly baptized you with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when he had, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you, you, you watching today, not just them 2,000 years ago, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Understand this. There is being born of the Spirit, and that happens when you are born again. Yes, you are alive unto God. You've been made alive and quickened by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. But there is an endowment with power. If there wasn't more, there wouldn't have been a day of Pentecost. We have the Passover where we were delivered, where we were washed and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and set free from bondage, sin, and death. But then there's an empowering, and it's another promise of the Father. I want the promise. Anything that He has for me, I want it. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Listen, a witness is one who provides evidence. Jesus is saying, I want you to have the power working in your life that you can provide evidence of Him. That means you have to be able to prove that He's not hidden, He's not dead, He's not. His body hasn't been carried off and hidden somewhere, that He is alive, that He is resurrected from the dead, that at the name of Jesus and through the power of His Word, the same thing that Jesus did, you and I can do because we are doing it the same way. By the power of His Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be filled with power from on high. Everything that Jesus did, He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why He tells you and I, what I did you can do also. And greater works than these shall you do. Well, how do we do it? Well, we have to do it the same way. By relying upon, trusting in, leaning to, and listening. And being filled with the power of His Spirit says, you shall receive power. That word is dunamis. It actually is where you get the word dynamite. It means strength, power, ability, inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtuous nature, or which a thing exerts and puts forth, power for performing miracles, moral power, excellence of soul, solid character, the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. Jesus said, you will receive power. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. It's the day of, it's the feast of harvest. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Well, I want you to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit so you can be witnesses unto me. What is the reason 
that we would be witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Because there is a harvest in the world that needs to be brought in. And that harvest is only going to be brought in, not through enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so people's faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The promise of the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the promise of the Father. It's to your advantage that oh, I go away. If I don't go, He will not go come. But when I leave, I will send Him to you. Jesus said, I will send Him to you. He is the promise of the Father. And He will endue you with power. He will bring abilities upon your life that you do not possess in and of your own strength. Listen, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. They came out of that upper room onto the streets. And they were so filled and just overwhelmed with this presence, this peace, and this power that people in this celebration thought that they were drunk. Listen, when you get so influenced by the Spirit of God, there's something overwhelming and powerful that happens in your life. There was a boldness that came upon them. Fear had been conquered. There was a new strength and boldness and confidence that began to well up on the inside of them. It wasn't just a well that they drank from that brought them their salvation. There is a river. And that river beginning to flow out of them, began to touch their life and to touch people on the streets to the point that this fearful Peter before who denied Jesus when people began to say, oh, these guys are all drunk. Peter stands up in the midst of all of them and says, no, no, no. These men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. It's early in the morning. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And Peter unashamedly begins to declare who Jesus is. He is a different man. He's been transformed. Why? Because he's gone from drinking from the well to flowing in this river, this power, this influence, this strength, this ability that came because of the endowment of power from on high. There's a boldness. There's a confidence. There's a strength. Listen, it is the promise of the Father that is for you and for me. We received the promise of the Messiah, but our Jesus said, listen, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. And when He comes... He'll not just be with you, He will be in you, He will be upon you, He will be among you, and He will fill you with power from on high. He'll give you a strength, a boldness, and a confidence that comes from above, giving you and I the abilities to do the things, to be a living witness in everyday life, where fear does not control us, where compromise no longer is something that begins to uh, try to fill our heads and our minds. But there is a boldness and a confidence and a strength. I pray every one of you on this Pentecost Sunday 
would just lift up your hands. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you would lift up your hands and say, Lord, I've received the gift of your Son. I want the promise that Jesus talked about. I want to be filled with power from on high. I pray that as we celebrate this Pentecost Sunday, this is a new day of endowment with power and strength and capacity. So from the well, you go to this river that begins to overflow in every area of your life. I pray you have a blessed, Spirit-filled Sunday, empowered by the Spirit of God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful Word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.